in Japan so far, welcome to the Welsh Rugby Union podcast. Victory over Australia sets Wales up in their World Cup group. We'd expect some words of warning from forwards coach Robin McBride. We had that short turnaround between the first two games. We coped with it, came out on top against Australia. But it's important that we get the two victories because the, the first two games, they, they won't matter a bit really if we don't finish the job off. It's certainly so far so good and that's the result of the hard preparation. WIU sports scientist Ryan Chambers says they can see the benefits now after adapting to Japanese conditions. We've had a couple of tough sessions where it has been hot and humid. We've still found the sessions quite tough, but generally speaking, you can see that they can get through it, they can maintain the intensity we want them to be at, they don't fall off in those sessions. Well, second row Adam Beards joined the squad after an appendix operation, which led to quite a strange sight for anyone standing outside casualty in Cardiff the day the rest of the squad flew to Japan. I had a bus to myself on the way back and a big 52-seater driving <laughs> up to any entrance and I, and I go up to the door on my own then. So it was a bit, bit weird to obviously look if you were outside there. It's quite a story. More later, of course, not forgetting events at all levels back in Wales coming up, including touch rugby for the over-35s. But we'll start in Japan, where an impressive first half laid the groundwork for a victory over Australia, which puts Wales in pole position in their group. Fiji and Uruguay to come, so nothing taken for granted. But the chance to get a bit of a rest, as forwards coach Robin McBride explained. Yeah, it's definitely not Tokyo. Less pace to life here. Some of the teams in North Wales. No, it was much needed, you know. Um, it was a short turnaround between Georgia and Australia game, with travelling in between. It was very intense over that period. So to come out on top against Australia was a fantastic achievement with the boys, really. I thought the resolve and the character they showed during the game was outstanding. So, you know, they fully deserve the time off. We're just going to do a little bit of light training this morning. Uh, again, it's optional, but the majority of players are going to do it. So nearly everybody's got a fit bill of health. Yeah, we just go on from strength to strength, hopefully. Nearly everybody, you say? How are the forwards looking? A little bit battered and bruised, but other than that, um, there's nothing serious. And Adam Beard was getting stronger as time goes by after his operation. Uh, obviously, Bradley Davis has joined us. So we're in a healthy state, really. You know, it allows us to do a little bit more as, as forwards. These three days are very welcome. But once we do start turning our attention to the last two games, and Fiji in particular, we'll start building up again slowly. Beard, do you see him being available for selection against Fiji, or is it just a bit too soon for him? Yeah, we'll have to monitor Adam, you know, and there's no point in rushing him back. We've got fit bodies now. We're in a better position now than what we were at the start of the competition, you could argue. So, yeah, there's no need. We'll just keep on monitoring Adam. And, you know, when he feels that he's, he's back to 100%, then um, we'll see where we go. A time to relax last night. How was the boat trip? We timed it well. So in the middle of the thunder and lightning and the heavy rain. But the, the welcome that we had was fantastic. You know, and the pride of getting onto the boat, first of all. There was a massive crowd cheering us on and... The school children, they were playing, banging some drums, which was fantastic. And that welcome just, just makes you feel at home, really. And, you know, we just went back and forth in the bay here. But it was enough. It was good. It was a fantastic welcome and just makes you feel at home. Everybody enjoy it? A few more scared than the others, maybe? No, we were OK. I think the scariest thing was when they were asked to play the drums. Bradley Davis didn't look very sure of himself with two sticks in his hand. Thankfully, he didn't break the drums. He was a 1,000 years old, so... It just added to the experience, you know, and it's it's a World Cup, comes on once every four years, and you've just got to enjoy the experience, and uh, last night was one of those occasions. How much are you looking ahead to that final group game and balancing the side and thinking about maybe the more experienced players that you might have on the bench maybe for that final game and, you know, yeah, team balance? 
Well, we can take a lot of comfort from the fact that we had that short turnaround between the first two games. We caught through it, came out on top against Australia. So we know we can manage ourselves. But it's important that we get the two victories because the, the first two games, they, they won't matter a bit really if we don't finish the job off. So uh, we've got to just go about our business very professionally. You know, we know that Fiji can be a dangerous team on their day. They weren't at their best against Uruguay, but that first half against Australia, they showed glimpses of what they can do. So. We can't take them lightly on past experience as well, really, when you look back to 2007, you know, we, we know that if we give them many opportunities, then they're good enough to take them. So they want to finish the, the tournament on the highest, their last game, so they want to go out with a bang as well. Robin, what does it say about the mentality of the group that technically they've got a few days off, but most of them are doing extra, extra training? Yeah, exactly. I mean, the competition within the squad and everybody realises, you know, what's at stake as well. We have got a bit of momentum, a bit of wind in our sails, and I think the boys are just keen to keep that going, really. And I think it's a Welsh mentality as well. I think when you're down your tools, it's sometimes very hard to pick them up again, you know, and you lose that momentum. It's just keeping on top of things and making sure that we give ourselves the best opportunity against Fiji. One of the things which has certainly been impressive is the fitness. Plenty of work in the build-up, which seems to be paying off. Alex Bywater spoke to WIU sports scientist Ryan Chambers. We knew it was going to be like hot and humid, so you just prepared for it in yeah. advance, you know. So like with the camp in Turkey, we wanted to just replicate those sort of temperatures. We've been doing other stuff then back home with heated saunas and hot baths and yeah. things like that to prepare them for it. So basically, we knew that especially that first part of the, probably in the next couple of weeks now, it'll start to drop off a little bit more and they'll be a lot more tolerable. But we just knew that like... Worst case, it could be quite hot and humid, so we just got to prepare them for that. So it hasn't been too bad, actually. Do you think now that they're used to it, their bodies are acclimatised? Oh, yeah, I think so. I think, you know, we've had a couple of tough sessions uh, where it has been hot and humid, and you can see that, you know, the lads are sort of a pretty good place. We've still found those sessions quite tough, but generally speaking, you can see that they can get through it, they can maintain the intensity we want them to be at, they don't fall off in those sessions, which is exactly what you kind of want, really, is it? They can sustain it anyway, so yeah. I thought in the Australia game, like when they were on the comeback, yeah. obviously they had the momentum, so yeah. it makes it look different. But I thought at some point maybe the players did look a little bit like they were flagging. Yeah. You must have been really pleased with the way they looked. Like, yeah, I think like, a couple of the lads said after the, after the match as well, is that like, they just felt that if the game was another half hour longer, they could have kept going. So from that perspective, they genuinely felt they do feel fit. I think it's, it's difficult because Australia had quick speed of ball and all the rest yeah. of it. And look, let's be honest, they're not an unfit team either. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it does sometimes look a bit different. But generally, you, what you're looking for is you're looking at the standing positions and things like that, and just general posture throughout the match. And at half time, you know, you notice it that you're going to change rooms at half time now, and you know you're telling the lads to calm down. You know, whereas in the past, perhaps we haven't been. You know, we. You've sort of calmed down as in, like, because they're just ready they to go. Like they, they, they look fine. Yeah. They look ready to go, so they don't, they don't look too stressed. Yeah. But, you know, and that's down to uh, how we train and making sure that we training's harder than games and our prep going into it, making sure that we're kind of ahead of it and, and they can adapt to the environment. They said that to you that the training's been harder than the games. You can tell. We know that that's what we aim to do. They know that that's yeah. what we try to aim to do. You know, there's certain times in the week where we do try to put them under pressure. You know, last week, you know, we knew the first 10 minutes was going to be quick, so we try to mimic that in training and things like that by how we prepare and all the rest of it. So, you've done this since when? 2009, third World Cup. Yeah. Do you think this is the fittest squad? I think so, definitely. 
you know, it's not to say that we wouldn't fit in the last few World Cups, but the game has evolved in the last eight years. It is a very much a different type of game, especially our sort of front five forwards. What they need to do is gone through the roof. How far they're covering, how much high intensity, high speed running they're doing, things like that. Like, there's a lot bigger demand on them. They've probably made the biggest change over the last couple of years, but like now that they, they could deal with that, they can cope with it. They can. They're running probably close to probably just over a k more a game. For other positions, might be a couple of hundred meters. Yeah. So nothing too significant, but for them, you're probably looking a k if not more. For what they're doing from a like a high intensity point of view, that's gone from like a couple of efforts to you know they have to repeat, 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 and they're now doing front five is probably doing what a back row was doing a few years ago, and back rows are doing what the backs were doing a couple of years ago, and it's yeah. kind of all everything is just kind of. Shifted up a little bit, yeah. So it's those boys have had to catch up a lot in the last couple of years. Were there any numbers that stood out from the Australia game in particular for you? Like it was a lot more high-speed running for the backs, but we knew that going into it. We knew that that's the type of game that they're going to play. It didn't necessarily stand out because we it was expected, but at the same time it was probably higher than what we'd have in in an average Northern Hemisphere Test match. You know what I mean? Wales are also up to full strength, with Bradley Davis and Adam Beard having joined up. Bradley's replaced injured Corey Hill, and we'll hear from him shortly. But first, Adam felt unwell just before the squad flew out to Japan. Let him take up the story. It was a weird one, so Tuesday night, just started having stomach cramps really, just before travelling. Didn't think nothing of it really, and then, so I just text the doc when I get up on um, Wednesday morning, and I'm like, oh look, got a bit of a bad stomach have some tablets on the way up he's like yeah no problem travelling as a squad up to Heathrow and my stomach's just getting a bit worse getting a bit more painful obviously when we get to Heathrow the doctor's assessing me and just feeling around and the painful around the appendix and stuff and he, he just felt that he wasn't fit enough to fly and he wanted me to get seen back in Cardiff for the Heath and um, yeah as he expected it was, it was appendicitis and got in at the op and it was all successful so uh, on the men now so lucky on that front that I didn't, didn't get on that plane and fly really How did you get back when you threw it? I was lucky enough our bus driver was obviously going back that way so oh, right. I had a bus to myself on the way back and <laughs> big 52 seat there driving up to any entrance and I, and I go up through the door on my own then so it was a bit, bit weird to obviously luck if you were outside the so you drove you straight from Heathrow to A&E? Yeah he, he did fair play to <laughs> <laughs> I owe him a lot that <laughs> have you allowed yourself to think God, what would have happened if you got on the plane yeah that could have been dangerous like obviously all the, the doctors and stuff were saying and probably they would have had to have emergency landed the plane that they were saying so yeah I'm very, very lucky to go on that plane that day and how are you feeling now yeah yeah, yeah a lot, lot better than, than what I was obviously I lost a bit of my appetite lost a couple of kgs in the process but no my eating's back to normal I'm doing a bit of training migrating back in with the squad now and I'm feeling a lot better how much weight did you lose? About three, four kilos, so right. quite a bit. But no, that's that's coming back on nicely now. Uh, they give me a bit of a free reign when I first come out. Yeah, I could eat whatever I want, so that was obviously a bit of a positive coming out of it, having yeah. having to eat whatever I want. So yeah, no, but the weight's coming back on. And when you got to the heat, did you go straight in and have the? Op- it was a weird one because I got in and obviously, like when you go to into any, there's obviously a massive game yeah. stuff, but. I'm lucky enough that Jeff and our medical team got a bit of a pull in the heath and um, they obviously wanted to see me a bit earlier but I was supposed to have a um, scan first to see if anything was going on but because I got pretty bad when I was in there they uh, they said look we, we get you straight in just get you operating on so I, I wasn't waiting long too long which was lucky enough. It must have been a bit of a, a shock you know one minute you're sort of waiting yeah, for the no, first World Cup the next yeah, minute. Yeah that's what I mean like 
I honestly thought nothing like that Tuesday night because I was just having a bit of stomach cramps and I thought maybe a bug, maybe I maybe thought it was like trap wind or something like that. I literally <laughs> thought nothing of it. Yeah. But then obviously as it got worse and I think the doctor knew there was obviously something wrong and we needed to be checked and it was safe not to fly that day. So So when you're in the bed at the heat you're thinking, okay, like probably woke up over and that sort of thing? Um no, I I was pretty positive because I spoke to Jeff and he said, Look, if it is what he thought it was with appendicitis and you have it taken out. The surgery I had was keyhole, it didn't have to cut me open big, so he did say it was, it was a quick turnaround and normally about two, three weeks, then you can get back into things. So in my head, I was trying to stay positive and even though it's my first World Cup, I was trying to keep that, that positive attitude really. So uh, no, I wasn't thinking, thinking bad stuff. When was the decision made that you could come back out? We were obviously talking with the surgeon and the doctors and back and forth with obviously our medical staff they were just like look you've got to wait till he's fit to fly and to, to be fair that our guys were awesome and they wanted to give me a good good rest at home said look we're not going to fly you till you're fully fit and re- ready to fly so I think it was just that continual like conversation back and forth really and, until I was ready and, and yeah. then they made that decision when I was. What was the family reaction? They must have been quite worried about you coming back and everything else. They were a bit worried. Oh, my mother's a warrior anyway, so she was obviously like, oh God, don't fly now, don't do, don't do, this, don't do that. But nah, to, to be fair, my old mum was like, come on, it's only a appendix, old man, get out there, man, and stuff like that. <laughs> it's good because you get one end of the stick, one that worries a lot, and then my old man's like, get out there, man. So it's, it's it, no, they were awesome, fair play. And when you turned up? You got rinsed and fined, apparently. Yeah, yeah. It was um. I was like, oh, I was hoping like when I get to the hotel, hopefully they'd be gone training once yeah, any of them. When I turn up, there's two buses there and everyone's out the window, beard boy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what did you get fined for? Being late. Being late on tour. Uh, being late, losing a bit of weight, and I wore the wrong kit coming up to uh, <laughs> so we'll cut. I, I thought it could come casual, but, but obviously not. So, <laughs> so yeah, three big fines for you. listening to the Welsh Rugby Union podcast. Pretty rushed last week, preparing for a game for the Ospreys and then obviously I had to, to shoot on a, on a plane and leave my family behind. So uh, it was difficult at the time, but like I said, they looked after me really well. They came in and they drip fed me into training, so now I'm, I'm pretty good now. Where were you when you heard the news? I was in Ospreys training, so we were just preparing for the Ulster game. So I just finished in the gym and had a, a missed call of cats and kind of guessed it, unless I've done something really bad. But um, <laughs> I called him back and he said, can you jump on a plane tomorrow? And I went home, kissed my wife goodbye and kids and then straight in the car. <laughs> and after the initial disappointment, how pleased you to be out here? Yeah, it was also disappointing not to get picked at the start, but I think the way the, the, the summer went for me, I didn't really get a chance to put my best foot forward. You know, I, didn't train as much as the other guys, so I kind of kind of deserve not to be picked too, I'm sure. Every time I've been picked in the past, there's always been someone who's been not like, so that's the way I kind of looked at it. Got really good second rows, and it was just that was it, that. But I knew second was such a, a difficult position to play, I guess, and it's just something that always happens, someone goes down, so my mindset was to go back and, and keep fit and, and see how it goes. And then obviously Corey's a good mate of mine, and you know, I've uh, grown up with Corey, he was in the academy when I was at the Cardiff, so um, I always looked after him, so I think he's taken one to the team now and got me back out there. <laughs> but no, all jokes aside, Corey's a good guy and he'll come back from this, it's obviously disappointing, but I guess he'll have another couple of World Cups to, to worry about. So for me, it was just keep myself fit and, and hope the call comes. For the last 
three or four weeks I've actually got back up to this training load now so kind of worked at a better time really probably a bit too less going into the World Cup but now I've actually ramped it up with the off-space and stuff about the call-up so I'm actually in really good condition at the moment which is good news you know sometimes you've got to take things in the chin and, and go back and work hard and look life changes and here I am yeah. and after that home warm-up game against Ireland what were your thoughts of the squad was being named afterwards <laughs> yeah it, obviously probably the game didn't go as much as good as I wanted it to be but that was because it was probably my first game in six months you know and we played much rugby summer off and didn't really get like I say yeah, people kind of overlook the importance of rugby training and getting your minutes on the on the field and I didn't quite manage to achieve that you know whereas me getting old or, or, or stuff but whereas in the past I can just rock up and play I need that bank of training and to get that was difficult because of my body and stuff but once I'm there I'm, I'm in perfect nick so I'm here now that's why I got to look at there I've had the chance Bit of misfortune on Corey's bat on behalf, but yeah. And you're here, Wales two from two, yeah. Looking good in pool D. I mean, the great position at the moment, aren't they? It's only two from two. Like I say, yeah, I'm sure Ireland was saying the same thing when he they batted Scotland the first game, and things are looking great. And a bit, bit of uh, I don't know what it is. You you rock up, maybe don't give it all, and team turns you over. Why isn't the whole difficult next week? We played them enough. We've lost them enough, and. Like the last World Cup, I remember we played England and then we played Fiji back in the stadium and probably one of the hardest games I've ever played coming from that massive win against England up between them two. People expect us to, to walk in. It was a very, very difficult game. It's going to be the same, but we'll prepare like we normally prepare, go hard, and I'm sure things will go away. And second row ranks coming up now a bit. Obviously, there's only two special second rows for the first two games with Adam Schindler covering, who come in and Adam Dean is training as well. So. It was talk that Bob Norster was coming out as well, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and Darwin Jones, I think, I guess. So, um, it seems to happen like a couple go down. But like I say, he's a tough position. Uh, all the other boys will stay, stay in line, but I think he's one of the toughest positions on the field, you know. He's not really a, a glamorous position, and you go pre Edwards a lot of time, and a lot of us are big, heavy men as well, so it doesn't take much to, to send you. But it looks like we're coming again to near a full bill of health, so that's good for the squad. You know, obviously I'm here not just to make numbers up and want to play. If that happens, it happens. If it doesn't, then I'll be the first guy watching. So everyone present and correct going forward. But let's look back to the game against Australia. A great victory with replacement outside half Reese Patchell, a key figure after coming on. You've got to be ready for those opportunities. You don't get better with your hands in your pockets. A great bunch of kickers here that, that enjoy putting in hard work, enjoy being out in the field. Yeah, thankfully today he came out on the right side of the ledger. Reese must really be really pleased after you know, the first game since the Ireland game. So well, yeah, come off the bench against Georgia, but you know, 10, 15 minutes probably wasn't um, you know as much game time as, as I got today. But yeah, just just great to be out there and great to be able to help out. What was a massive squad effort today? You know, all 23 players put a big shift in there. We said that it would take a big performance. Australia fair play to them. They never say die, do they? And it's nice that we went to the Y with them and came on the right side of the ledge at the World Cup. What happened with Karebi? It was a bit, bit of a confusing incident. What was your take on the incident? Referees make their decisions and I make a tackle. There's no issues. I'm not out here to say anything controversial. The game is the game and people make decisions. You know, we're just on there to do our best. We're very aware that job well done tonight in terms of getting a result, but it doesn't count for anything if, if we don't back it up in nine days' time. Did it, show, did it sum up Dan as a man, like, even though he'd been forced off with a head injury, he was like, giving you a bit of a tap? Yeah, mate, he's awesome. You know, I think he takes a lot of heat in the press for whatever reason, and I think it's only really when you're around him on a day-to-day -day basis you appreciate just 
what an unbelievable competitor he is and, and how much he wants to win. And, you know, fair play to him. That was unbelievable act of bravery on, on our own line. He flew into Karev. His subs are up thinking, oh my gosh, we've, we've conceded a try. Baseball's out of miracle tackle. So, yeah, fair, fair play to him. Of course, Wales doing well in Japan will help boost interest in the game back in Wales. And that includes at all levels. To find out more about some of the ways of keeping your involvement in the game going, Liz Jones went along to a touch rugby match. Hi, Nick Pearce from Chepstow Gold. Uh, we're an over-40s touch rugby club. We started the group because many of us uh, dads really love playing the game, but maybe we can't these days because of broken knees or a bit too old to be uh, playing the full contact game. But it's a game we love and itch to play whenever we can. So we started in May. Uh, with eight players and the WRU have been fantastic in helping us get started and now we're up to about 43 on the books. The aim is to make it much more inclusive so that anyone can join in, mums, dads, the elderly generation as well with walking rugby but we've only just started so we hope to grow that in the next 12-18 months. This is our first match against Yogits from Usher Glenlice and my good friend Andy started the club uh, in West Wales about two years ago so there's a bit of friendly rivalry today and we're hoping for no injuries uh, and lots of laughs. Andrew, Morgan-Jones, uh, Yogits, general second row, blindside, all over the pitch type character. Andrew, can you explain what the uh, concept is with your team? Rugby never leaves us really, so effectively um, we set this up, we want to have a little run around on a Thursday afternoon. It isn't really anything for 35 over, all the rugby clubs cater every up to 35 and then you're forgotten about in, in a way. And rugby always lives you for, for the rest of your life really, and so this prize the camaraderie that they provide together. So it's basically, we're not affiliated to any particular club and all effectively it means is that boys come together from all parts of West Wales, it's a feature on a on a Thursday night we have a good run around bit of a laugh bit of banter no real pressure most best thing is participation rather than competition really that's the main thing it's really just getting people involved in rugby and if you, t- if you told someone to go for, to run 10,000 steps on a wet Monday Thursday night they never do it but if you run, tell them to give them a rugby ball and run around and chuck them all around it's great and, uh, and people really look forward to it we've got a WhatsApp group as well it's fabulous really really good and it's, it's a good talk of the valley now Everyone's seen benefits like physically and mentally? Physically and mentally, yeah, because I think, uh, yes, it gives you that focus each week, gives you a bit of exercise, and I think people really say, you know, they're enjoying life, looking forward to it, and it plays into their family lives and working lives and stuff like that, really. So generally keeping everyone fit, you know, and I think, you know, Welsh rugby is just inbred in all of us, really. Effectively, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great, 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 great thing to do. And a match here today at Chepstow after the first and seconds have finished. Is that something you could do more of, do you think? Yeah, I think, well, to be honest with you, I think more, it's more the participation on the Thursday night. I think the games are bonuses. It's great. You know, my best mate set up Chepstow. We're inspired, etc. These are bonus days, really. Ultimately, the Thursday night's the best. But yeah, if we, the odd game occasionally sprinkled around it. I think it's the best thing. We've got to watch those muscles these days, to be honest with you. And I think there's a little bit of competition. Some of those games, really, I think it was a little bit, you know, you've got that little edge where you play physics, but touch rugby is meant to be uh, things. So yes, it's all good. All the best. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks for coming. Another great initiative. Also back in Wales, the Indigo Group Premiership has had a really interesting start. Time now to hear from a couple more of the clubs about their hopes for this season. Paul Fisher, Flethy. So, Flethy, obviously, you must really appreciate the fact that you're still standing here. Yeah, definitely. I think the biggest thing is that, you know, we're glad to be here initially. Like you said, you know, we hope we don't get us hope, obviously, this season doesn't replicate last season. Um, you know, obviously the last six games we went to play off, you know, was absolutely precious sort of, you know, that that led to was immense. And I think everybody realised at the end, potentially, you know, the whole history and sort of, let's see rested on a playoff game. 
it's easy from the outside to say that was really exciting from, <laughs> from, the, from inside yeah. the club and I yeah, suppose yeah. that was the major feeling yeah whenever there's jeopardy I think it will bring sort of excitement and had we not got the points we got you know we wouldn't have made the playoff and then obviously to have to play the playoff against sort of a team that hadn't lost the game in the championship for two years yeah just delighted really to come away and obviously to remain in the premiership and to continue with you know with where we are so you came 12th last year you need to be higher this year, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, don't think do many seasons like that. You know, obviously it's very, very difficult, you know, with regards, obviously, to limited sort of budget. You know, recruitment has been difficult. We understand sort of where we are, where we fit in, the development pathway sort of within our region. But like I said, you know, the biggest thing for us is that, you know, we continue, obviously, to deliver an environment, you know, where players, whether it be young sort of academy of developing players and sort of club players, we've got an opportunity to progress and develop and become future Welsh internationals. And we look at some of the internationals come through, some of them going to the World Cup, but that's always been Plethley's problem in a way. You're almost too close to the Scarlets, perhaps, and you gain from some young players, but you also lose a lot of them. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you can become an enemy of your own success at times. But, you know, obviously, Clenetley, Clendovery and Kamal and Quinns all buy into, obviously, the regional concept. You know, we all understand, obviously, you know, where the Premiership sits within, obviously, the development pathway. We feel that the Premiership is, you know, a fantastic sort of environment, obviously, to blood players between the age of 18 and 21. And, you know, front five forwards, perhaps, you know, even that's sort of a little bit older. And I do feel that this year, you know, with the Premiership being reduced, obviously, to 12 teams, but I feel that, you know, the level of competition, you know, will be far greater. I think the intensity will increase. And I do think that, you know, it's a greater sort of environment, you know, for these young future international players to thrive in. If maybe the targets last year would have been negative, avoiding relegation, what are the targets for this year? I think, you know, what we're going to do, we're going to take each week as it comes. So one of the biggest things for us maybe is to try and get some consistency around our team selection this year to try and build and develop on our sort of performances. You know, undoubtedly, you know, every game is going to be tough. And I think, again, you know, it's going to go down to the wire because, you know, I think everybody's capable of beating everybody, you know, on, on the day. You know, I've been in coaching the Premiership for a long time. And, like I said, you know, the game is not won until the final whistle goes. So, yeah, I think it's going to be an exciting initiative next year. Tyler Morris at Newport Rugby. It was my first season as head coach, so it was an exciting time for me and, and something new. The feeling around the camp is that we probably underachieved last year, getting seventh place, so um, you know, put a bit of pressure on ourselves to try and get our top six. A bit of a change in the guard. Is that sort of easy to come in when, when there's been people who were there for such a long time? I think I was lucky because I had three years forwards coach. It was almost like a progression into that head coach role. So added a little bit of difference, but I haven't changed a great deal in how we got to play us. Uh, in their genetics and, and how they play you know, exciting rugby so um, I didn't want to change that radically I'm just trying to put my emphasis and my stamp on it really. Who's come in? Who's gone out? Who are going to be the people to watch this year? So we've had ten players in five out so some newcomers young centre thick set centre Jack Wright from Cardiff met. he's been different gravy at the moment for us this year so I'm really excited to see what he can do in the Premiership Lucky enough Dragons allocated 15 Di Richards who played a lot for us last year he's been really excited at 15 so what's it take to take that step up and challenge some of the some of the clubs who've been around at the top a bit more than yourself? I think it's a bit of belief. It's very difficult having a turnover of players continuously because you find yourself teaching the new players while the old players are already doing to get them up to speed with uh, policies and so on. The thing for me this year was being player-led, so it was allowing them to put their stamp on it and then setting their standards. And I found this year with the senior players, they've really put pressure on themselves to raise the standards. So I'm hoping that they'll tie into us getting our top six places. And you know you can beat anyone because yeah, you've proven that over the last couple of seasons, haven't you? 
Every time we go in and play Bertha, you know, that's our team talk. You know, we can do this. We've done it before. We were able to beat the top six teams, and we seem to struggle with the bottom six. But yeah, hopefully we can do that. So we're just 12 teams. That divide maybe between the top teams and the bottom teams. Is that, and that's just going to be tighter all around. Do you think that as well? Yeah, stronger competition right throughout. And I think even the allocated or pool of players are less. Uh, the regional boys are stepping down, going into making each Premiership team stronger as well. So yeah, it's going to be a really, really strong And the Schools and Colleges League is also in full swing. Here's some more reaction from that. How have you set out your ambitions and plans for this season on behalf of the school? Same as usual, really. Um, it's all about developing the boys. I think this is like, going to be our fourth year into the competition and you see from the first crop that we've had, I'm really pleased. We set out four years ago to develop boys, to push them into professional outfits and stuff and it's really good now to see the original crop, if you like, really push through and we've had a couple, Joe, three boys every year that's pushed on to Cardiff Blues Academy, Wales 20s, so um, it was quite nice at Six Nations last year we had one from each year, so we had uh, Max Llewellyn, Yuan Davis and Teddy Williams one from each year that, since we've been in the league, so it shows that the league is working in development and the pathways there really through the school's colleges league programme really, so it's, you know, it's uh, still chef there, we're involved really and pushing towards the top hopefully any to look out for this season? Yeah, we've got a couple. A couple of relax factor boys, Mason Greedy, who's been showing up well with Wales 18s, Theo Cabango, another fireworks in his boots. So we've got a couple of lightning backs. So it's just going to be more of the same, really. We're going to just chuck it about the way the boys enjoy playing. We're all about speed this year. So uh, yeah, we should be. Uh, entertaining again this year hopefully so you can have some input with those then yeah that's my specialty with the back so we trained today and it's all about the boys play better when they enjoy so i think they're in the environments where they they're really enjoying themselves and we give them a full license to express themselves and hopefully that will catch the eye and they'll kick on to whatever steps next on the on the pathway and so playing this year too yeah playing with newport this year so i moved from cardiff to newport uh, really enjoying it different environment really to cardiff but um joe there's a really good squad there a lot more depth because I, I was there previously two three years ago i think there's a lot more depth than the last time i was there and that's it for this week's welsh rugby union podcast plenty more from japan and wales next week but until then goodbye Thank you.